0: Welcome in to the Family Hour, brought to you by American Senior Benefits, on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Todd Riley and Jay Stoll.
1: Good morning and welcome to the American Family Senior Benefits Family Hour, alongside with Todd Riley, I am Jay Stoll. Harrison is behind the scenes to make sure everything goes smooth. And we are uh, ge- uh, joined by a special guest, Scott Ballinger. Uh, guys, just getting into it to begin with. Uh, we, we like to, to talk sports. We like to talk Medicare. We like to talk insurance. Uh, we're going to go a little bit of a different route today. So we're going to hit quickly on sports. Um, Texas A&M loses. Jimbo Fisher might be out. Uh, it's a $90 million buyout. I think $75 million to be exact. And money grows on trees down in Texas, so we know that. Uh, Adrian Martinez went out with an injury. Did anybody hear what happened at all? No, he, he, he just kind of pulled himself right out of the game, and uh, that was that. And then Iowa football, for those folks that are Iowa fans here, um, their defense now has scored more than their offense.
0: Their quarterback this game had 49 yards with one interception. And what was his name? I, I, next. It, was, it, it, it wasn't It was the mustache, was it? Uh, next man up, please.
1: And that's where family values comes in, and it's not always the best to hire family to, to help run an important aspect of a football team, such as offensive coordinator. But, uh, you know, Kurt Ferenc obviously knows what he's doing. Um, Wisconsin wins over Purdue. Again, the, the Nebraska curse. When you play Nebraska, you win. Congratulations. But the rest of the scre- season, you are screwed. So uh, we did Purdue in pretty well as well.
0: Boy, I tell you what, Purdue came from behind. When I first turned that on, it wasn't even a game. And then I, so I was doing something else and came back. I'm like, holy smokes, Purdue actually put up a reasonable response there for a while. But
1: too little, too late. And then the people clamoring for Lance Leipold, the people clamoring <laughs> for Lane Kiffin. Uh, Lance goes down to Baylor, and uh, another coach that's sit's on the, the radar for Nebraska, Dave Aranda, uh, hands it to Kansas Jayhawks, pretty good. So Kansas now zero to the last two games uh, is the bubble popped, or or is everybody just catching on, or is it the fact Kansas has a backup quarterback?
0: Well, I think I mean. You know, speaking when Kansas was like five and zero, you're like, are we talking about the basketball team? That's you know, the first time Kansas has had any glory, so they're going to be thrilled. I I remember at Iowa State, you know, being so bad for years, got a coach, went to the first bowl game. excuse me doesn't matter what that bowl game is they're going to be thrilled to death down there so i think it's some of all i mean you know they you you get a new system in people do watch tape watch film they figure it out but uh you know hats off to those guys down there that that's kind of cool to see somebody else come up that that has been so bad for so long it's fun to see them get a little moment in the sun too absolutely it is and
1: then down in old miss lane kiffin they have a big lead, and then LSU comes back and puts what forty-five to three on them in the second half, and, and blows them out of the water.
0: It, it's stunning, isn't it? What can what could happen? But LSU is always a team uh, to to not go to sleep on. And, and unfortunately, that must have been what happened. I don't know what the. I would like to have heard the the halftime talk, but uh, uh, like I said, LSU got to count them in every every year, regardless of what their what their uh,
2: score says. Yeah, and I found uh, Adrian's injury. Um, They didn't really go into details, but he re-aggravated a leg injury. So it could be his ankle or his knee. Um, And then he sat out the entire second half. Obviously, backup comes in, throws a pick, first play, uh, pretty much frogs all the way, second half, and they come back in that game. But if Adrian was healthy, I mean, Kansas State, they'd probably have another win under the belt against a ranked team.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I agree with you on that there. Just for this reason, the backup comes in, and K-State goes up 28-10. to 10. I mean, the backup looked good, and then the adjustments happened. The biggest difference was the backup was pushing the ball heavily down the field, mm-hmm. where we know Adrian to kind of hold it in the pocket a little bit, hit uh, maybe hit a check down if there's a crosser available. But this guy was just winging it down the field. Yeah. So it, it was it was fun to watch. It was
2: interesting. I kind of like that Adrian offense, though, more against a team like TCU. When you have a quarterback that can kind of salt the moon and take, you know, 12, 10-minute drives almost just by his ability to get quick first downs, you know, when you're playing a team like against TCU, I don't know if you necessarily want those deep bombs all the time. You're giving them the ball back a lot, and that's an explosive offense, uh, and that's what we saw. I mean, they were down 18 and came roaring back. So, I mean, that's, that's obviously a lot to project, but it was a good game nonetheless. Probably one of the best games of the night.
1: Absolutely, and there was a quarterback that uh, lives real close to us that uh – Went down to TCU because we didn't want to give Max Duggan a look at all. Don't don't we don't need that. We're good. <laughs> um, baseball looks like it's going to be the uh, Astros and Phillies. Scott,
3: I believe so. You know, uh, who knows though? Uh, I I definitely think Phils uh, are on a hot streak. You know, it's it. I, I think there's a lot to. You know, the the major league went to a new playoff system uh, to where <clears throat> you know. Teams had to play in, and, and unfortunately, my New York Mets were one of those teams that was in a three-game set, and and ran across a team that got hot at the end of the season. Those teams that uh, continue have to have to continue to fight to get into the playoffs, I, I think uh, create some momentum for themselves, and especially on the National League side between uh, you know the Padres, Phils. who knows? You know, I th- I think that could go either way, but um, you know the fact that uh, the Yankees are down three zero. Uh, what is it? there's only one team in major league history that's ever done it. It was like the O four Red Sox mm-hmm. and and so um they they've got a big hurdle, but uh yeah, I think it'll be the Strohs, Phils, um and who knows from there World Series.
1: I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good that'll be a good series. Uh uh batting Phils. They put up runs and yeah. the pastor's got great pitching. See if Verlander can find the foul in of youth. Now now with that um the really nice thing is is with with scott here is is scott ballinger used to be a nebraska wesleyan baseball coach uh he's very revered around the community as a youth baseball coach and so this topic was brought up last week and it really uh piqued my interest because i have been guilty of it and that is parent responsibility coaches' responsibility of youth sports and especially when you're paying a lot of money for your kid to play youth sports um I see way too many times that, that parents want return of investment or parents feel because they're paying so much money that they can have a say on the vice versa side. I see coaches that want to kind of put the parents at bay or, or, or put them on, on, on their side of the fence, as you will. So with Scott here, he, uh, like I said, he's a very revered baseball coach here in the community. I am a parent of a, of a child that, that plays youth sports, and, and Todd uh, as well Scott let's just get into it what are the do's and the don'ts what do so we're talking to parents now we're not gonna be talking to grandparents we're talking to parents that have kids that are playing youth sports how important is it to have communication between the coaches and the parents
3: yeah well uh, first off you know uh, I I finished up at Westland uh, in 2019 but prior to that, you know, when we came into town, my wife and I, uh, back in 2000, I started with Babe Ruth Baseball. And so I, I got the uh, youth uh, aspect of it. And so when we talk about parents, me as a coach, I always had a, a parent meeting. And I established the, the credibility, the trust. Those parents had to know uh, that, that I had uh, their, their son's best interest in mind and um we also you know came up with the procedure that if if they were dissatisfied with anything that i had done or specifically if they were dissatisfied with their son's playing time um i I was going to have a direct conversation with them that that conversation was going to be started with the young man that was on my team and then if there was no resolve um then then a parent can be involved but uh, you know the fact that I, i think all too often, coaches will just, you know, take the team and, and get them going and never have any kind of conversation with parents, um, you know, creates uh,
1: that, that tension down the road. Now, there is a division between parents because you have some parents that say, you know what, I just want my kids to be on a team. I want them to develop and have fun. Then you have the other parents that says, I have my kids on a team, I pay this money, I want to win. How do you decipher which route to go? I mean, what is your philosophy? Because like I said, you're very revered, you're very well-liked here in the community. A lot of kid parents want their kids to play baseball for you because you they, they show development, but also you, you show victory side. How, how do you separate those two from, from fun to winning and, and make it as one? interesting you bring that
3: up it was uh when i was at westland you know the the d3 model i i I played juco ball i played division two baseball uh the d3 model is is positive playing experience which is a very subjective uh statement and so positive for me is uh playing at the highest level highest competition competing for championships while others you know but, but with that comes sacrifice and and a lot of work and and a lot of folks do not want to put in that time and that dedication um, while then on the flip side of it positive playing experience can be having fun hanging out with your buddies my 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 preference is you know i, I think you can have both you know have have high expectations compete for championships and along the way you're you're galvanizing great
1: relationships with everybody on your team now you're, you're a professional but how do you block out the noise because when i'm sitting with the parents and and i've been guilty of this as well obviously i know more than the coaches the coaches have no idea what they're doing and and if i was calling you know the, the the steel sign or 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 the play on the football field or the basketball court it would be successful the coaches have no idea how do you block out that noise how do you block out the background noise because i know you have to hear it
3: i don't i i literally i don't hear it because uh when when you know when we're coaching we're we're teaching young people to control the things that they, they can control their effort their attitude um what what the other team brings uh they can't really really control me as a coach I can only control, you know, my, my team, uh, anything outside of that is, is outside of my realm and it's just wasted energy. Um, and, and it's probably arrogance on my part, but I, I know, uh, I know the game, um, probably anybody, any better than any parent that, uh, would be on that team. Um, and, and I established
1: that. And so, yeah. So. On your teams, and 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 I want to get into more youth now, because like I said, parents they want their kids to play, and if they don't play, they get justifiably upset. And I understand that I've been on that side of the fence. What determines playing time in in youth sports?
3: Well, that that is a head scratcher.
1: I um
3: I, I think that's uh, on an individual basis. You know, each each coach is. Uh, going to have their own determining uh, factors of who's going to play, who's not going to play. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is a tough one. Um, I I would suggest this to parents. Um, I I felt this personally. Our oldest going to be a senior. Um, he he played youth sport and and he was one of those guys that uh, was number fourteen or fifteen on the team. Wasn't exceptional, um, but. You know, we we always told them to go out and uh, try to get better, and along the way, be a good teammate. and And the interesting thing is, as as kids get older, they get into high school. That funnel gets tighter, and they go into different areas and and uh, sports that they wish to pursue and have passion in. And fortunately, you know, our oldest Jarrett, he's uh, still pursuing baseball and and uh, you know, looking for college mm-hmm. um, right now, but. I I think um, I, I don't think we had any control. I, I think it was him making uh, some decisions as, as far as commitment to the weight room, commitment to getting better as a baseball player. Um, I, I wish there was some type of suggestion of what, what kids possess that trait to uh, do something about, you know, not playing.
1: Now, what can we as parents help out with? Do you want us to get individual lessons? Do you want us to do youth agility? Do you want us to do, um, you know, take the video games away and get off the
0: couch? What Do you want us to stay out of the way? Do you want us <laughs> to stay out of the way?
3: Well, I, 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 uh, high-functioning teams, uh, it is cooperation on all levels, cooperation with the coaches, cooperation with the players, and especially parents parents have a tremendous influence on uh kids development uh i the the parents that have the tendency or or the uh opportunity to spend more time with their kids in the backyard playing catch taking to the batting cage uh i would ask those parents to uh have a very specific conversation with the coach of of what skill needs to be uh taught so then it's reinforced because uh you know, I, I've seen sometimes parents. You know, they'll put in the time, but uh, they may not know what they're doing, and then they're reinforcing uh, the, the the negative, and and so then it's a lot of retraining. But in the game of baseball, you know, you're talking. Uh, I, I think parents and and teams they they want to have wins and and a bunch of games, and and I and I would argue that there's just way too many games. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna have an opportunity to, to come back and, and coach our, our ten and eleven year olds this year and and I, I would already talk to the coach about backing off games. So you don't want fifty or sixty games Absolutely a season? Absolutely <laughs> not. I would rather have two to three two to three practices a week and then as the season progresses you could up the games. Um, just so we're we're getting that
1: development. Now, Todd, you and I—we sit on the other side of the fence, and so you are a father, you're a grandfather. How does it affect you when you're watching your
0: your kid play play sports? I tell you what, Scott, that was something that you'd mentioned. You have a parent meeting with the kids in all the years my two sons were playing. <clears throat> sorry, we had never ever had a parent meeting. Um, that's really good and i also like the idea of talking to the to the coach where can my child improve uh i don't know if i ever did that now that i'm thinking back maybe once um so both really good ideas but yeah we it <laughs> and there and a good friend of mine up in fremont has coached for years he literally decades now and uh he he just retired from it this year and it was the parents not the kids that, that got him out of it and i've heard you say that too scott that uh you know, if it was just the kids you'd you'd do it forever. Um it it is hard, like Jay had said a second ago, to just sit on your hands sometimes or or to you know to keep your mouth shut. Um but it I we're not out there. We're not on the field. We don't know the we haven't seen every second of practice. We haven't seen every you know every locker room situation. So we we don't know what we don't know and and probably silence is is the best option
1: (laughs) now I hope you would never ever come up to me or anybody else and say you how they should parent if if a parent wants to come up to a coach though right and say ask questions what is acceptable to talk about and what is not acceptable to talk about
3: I Yeah, it's, it's um, it would be a situation to where I, I I'm not I'm not going to get involved in that conversation at the ballpark. Um, we would uh, establish uh, a mutual time uh, to, to sit because normally after a baseball game or uh, any kind of sporting event, there's there's going to be emotions attached to that, um, and and uh, it's it's very likely that I'm going to have a quick trigger to and and get frustrated so uh I I don't think that would set up a a, a good situation at all. Um you know I was going to mention something you'd said earlier what what parents can do. You know th- this is uh, a situation where when when I when I talk to parents it should not be about the the wins and losses, but more importantly, it's about the individual uh, accomplishments of, of, of a young person. And, and so we always encourage parents to talk about, you know, like a, a pivotal at bat or a pitch or a, a defensive play. And, and I want parents to talk to that, that child and, and ask them like what was going on in the moment, like prior to that pitch or that at bat, like, what was going on in their head. And, and we're hoping that it's, it's a sense of calm and, and this, this focus. And and it's like, boy, if, if um, parents can hone in on that and then, and then the young person sees success, uh, then what they can do is, you know, it's like you can build on that. Uh, and can be reinforced. And then collectively as a team, if everybody is doing that, uh, it, it is uh, a recipe for success. And then the other thing is, you know, you also got to talk about, you know, the, the errors, right? Or, or, you know, baseball is a, a game of failure. And, and not that we're going to capitalize or put somebody down for an error, but I'd want to know if, if a person didn't make a play, what was going on in their head? What, were, were they in the moment? Were, were they you know crisp focus knowing what they were going to do when the ball was put in play or was it sheer panic now if it's sheer panic that's a whole different situation and conversation we're going to have but if it's a calm collect you know it's like errors happen right so um but I, i think that's where you know sometimes us as coaches we don't convey that message to our parents of you know when you have a conversation with your kid Here's some suggestions.
1: So after the game, don't get on your kid. Don't get down on your kid. Yeah. Why did you do this? This is you're you're making these mistakes because you're you're in your room all the time, or you're outside riding your bike instead of you know hitting the cage, or so yeah. So it so kids are very delicate. You're saying after the game. I mean, they realize they made the mistake. They don't need someone tell them again. You did this.
3: I I, I'm I'm not too worried about uh what what they did. I'm going to be I'm going to be inquiring about the 5 to 10 seconds prior to that moment. Where where was their head? Yep. Were yep. they were were they in the game somewhere
0: else chasing butterflies right like <laughs> playing in the dirt i remember yeah. that with one of my kids uh if you got a question you got a comment uh hunter lincoln hotline 402-464-5685 text line again 402-464-5685 um, for those of you out there scott is one of our managers and trainers that are at our lincoln office and as you can tell with that kind of thought process with that sort of caring uh, he does a fantastic, fantastic job for us. We talk about working, uh, the beauty of fun of working at American Senior Benefits. Uh, if that's something of interest. Uh, give Joyce Ann a call, 402-413-9846. Um, Scott, uh, Jay brought up a good question as we were walking in this morning. You know, when I was uh, playing, it was free Little League. It was free junior high, free high school sports. Now people are paying ten, fourteen, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 a year to have their kids in a sport, does that give them any more right to talk to the coach or does it do the same rules apply?
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, now it turns yeah.
1: into a business discussion. Yeah, that it, it is tough.
3: Um, I, I will say if if I'm a parent, they're going to be spending that much money. I want to make sure that it is a non-parent coaching. Uh, I, I think – uh, the, the the biggest issues that, that I see um, in, in the youth sport world specifically baseball is uh, dads dad's being coaches you know little Johnny uh, didn't get much playing time so dad's gonna start up another team and <laughs> uh, solve that problem um, but you know the, the problem is is just um, you know it, it's it's nice when uh, you have somebody, unbiased coaching sure. that team sure
1: scott ballinger joining us folks for the american senior benefits mm-hmm. family hour along with todd riley i am jay Stoll, dropping nuggets of information hopefully you guys are writing this down we'll be right back after this